0: You get some magic. I feel like as this is the first time that you're on a podcast, I know in, in the past it was always a bit uh, was always a bit fluid if people introduced themselves or not, but I feel like I really want to establish that the first time a person comes on the podcast,
1: they should give a bit of an introduction of themselves. So. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I was not expecting that, but yeah, sure, I'll give a little introduction. Uh, Yeah, I mean, first of all, my name is Nick Edward Woolley. I am... A citizen of the world, in that in that sense, I uh, I was born in the U.S. I currently reside in New York, but I lived in uh, Florida, in Haiti, where my parents are from, mm-hmm. in uh, London, in Italy, and I've been a nomad for a few years. And uh, what else? I I'm also a business person in the sense that. I like entrepreneurship, mainly products. Products that uh, are useful for society, uh, reducing waste and so forth. I, I try to be as present as possible in life, carpe diem, and what, what, what else? I enjoy languages, so that's why I like to travel, like connecting with different cultures. So speaking, um, I don't know, Haitian Creole, French, Spanish uh really really um improving other languages such as italian uh, and what else <laughs> i do want to learn german Um uh, trying to figure out which one is it the austrian one or the german definitely german one? better s- one austrian is definitely a yeah. better one i mean you're it's a little now. bit biased but much more charming, <laughs> much, more charming. <laughs> much, more charming. <laughs> much more charming okay okay what else? What else? Um, I am also an artist. I've been an artist for more than a decade right now. And I mainly do uh, portraits with acrylic uh, drawings and um, murals. I just did an yeah. awesome mural for this done for profit. So in a nutshell, this is me, Nick. I am not just one thing. I'm many thing and I enjoy life and I try to bring joy wherever I am. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really nice pitch, man.
0: That's a really nice introduction. I think like people, people you. got a good uh multi-layered picture of you.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Cause um sometimes I feel like I am like uh like a bat, you know. I am neither uh what do you call it, a rat or a bird. So mm. just something in between, you know? Yeah. And and I love it and I love that diversity. Like wow. it took me years to like um embrace it, but yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah.
0: When you say that you took years to embrace that, like was like a, a, like where did it start and what was hard for you in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like, I I was born in the U.S., but uh, mainly I I I grew up in Haiti, right? Like a a French speaking system Mm -hmm. and Haitian Creole also, and uh, moving back to the U.S. uh, as as a a teen, right? Um, During high school. So, I basically had to like um uh improve on my English actually assimilate, and all that at the same time, try not to lose my identity in terms of haitian identity mm. and after a few years after like uh, college, realizing that I'm not just one, I am part of um many, you know yeah. It's- he cannot define me as uh his this or his that, but I like the beauty of diversity, you know? Mm. And um and when I was younger, I felt like being diverse in that sense um was um was an issue. Yeah, you would not feel accepted in that community or that other community. So that's so why I'm very or- inclusive. Yeah, exactly. I'm very inclusive. Like uh I am very social, social butterfly. If I'm hosting a party, I make sure I invite everyone. So we all have to be included, right? So, yeah. or an art expo. So, yeah. Uh, Hopefully it, it makes sense. Like, um, Yeah, it does. I mean,
0: you, so you were born in the US, if I remember correctly, in Florida. Mm hmm.
1: And then, in Florida. How long did you spend there before going to Haiti? Not long. As a, I was I was there as a baby because my father worked for the US go- uh, government so mm. it was uh it was much better to have like um highly qualified um hospitals and doctors mm. like over there has um yeah as a as a baby so yeah. they just made the choice to have me there and yeah. uh make sure everything was correct and also in that's and the diversity part also one thing i really hate when people are saying like when I was younger, I had a really big problem with that, especially when I was choosing my major in um, grad school, um, yeah, College. undergrad, right? Hmm. College, yes. And I, I had this inclination for drawing, right? For art, creativity. But I really hated when people used to tell me, oh, he's just an artist. Yeah, I like art, I also like business. So, hmm. you know, it's not just one or the other, you know, trying to find a connection between those two. Being different, but enjoying the beauty in that difference. I mean, like being yeah. put into one
0: box instead of just kind of being fluid in both.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, you choose your own destiny, but it's like yeah. it's like I've heard I've heard this some, somewhere. Like, um, for example, I can ask you a question. Like, just say like uh, when when you're dead, like what do you want on your tombstone? Can what do you what do you want written? Can you think of something? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it's stuff, but can uh, yeah, you think it, it, of something? What, what do you want? Like uh,
0: the the first thing that came to mind was something along the lines of
1: made other people enjoy life more. That's you. Uh, you see, it's it's very like uh, um, altruistic. It's yeah. empathy. It's using your uh, pathos. That's it's not doesn't put you in one box. It's uh, me. For me, I would not. Like to have my tombstone and have it written, he was this, you know, just one thing. No. no, like I did, I did this, I did that, I did that. Although I really, I really know there's an importance in like putting your ten thousand hours in one thing, you yeah. know, mastery and all that. So yeah, well, yeah, that's my little spill.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Like it's especially I feel like with all the exposure we now have to like this million people, billion people, and. People, of different careers, different talents. You, you usually see the strong sides of people. So you, you're you always kind of like on the lookout for a better opportunity also to like, gather social points, to get like more status in society. So yeah, I feel exactly. like especially there, it gets really, really tough with with also, it, it like especially then when you try to pursue a lot of different things and uh in in the end, in a professional setting, it's very limiting in terms of you you hi- have to be either or, right? Like otherwise, you just don't have, you you don't have enough words in your in your short pitch when someone asks you what to do mm-hmm. and what you do, um, or, or who you are that you you kind of have to choose, right? Or you don't play the game and be like, um, uh, Tim Ferris who. Who said that he? Whenever someone asked him, he said he's a drug dealer. Which yeah, kind of four hours work week. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of fun, fun way to to oh. kick off a conversation or to end one.
1: <laughs> I feel like, yeah. us, like a couple of feedback. I mean, it would it, it would certainly kick it off for me. I'm I'm quite curious. I'll be like, really? Tell tell me more. <laughs> are you? I mean, the fine drugs. Like, are you selling alcohol? I mean, technically, I don't know. <laughs> No, exactly. It's like,
0: it, it's tough. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Uh, yeah. Like ad- identity is a,
1: is a tough topic. That's exactly. Hard. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Identity. And at the same time, it's, I, I believe like, it's good to like learn different set of skills, especially in your twenties, you know, Just try mm-hmm. try, try things out, you know, see mm-hmm. what works, what doesn't work at the same time. You have to find the right balance to know, like, um, uh when to start something different, you know, like you have to give it enough time because you have to think also in terms of quality in that sense, right? Thinking about um ten thousand hours, right? Hmm. Uh who coined that term actually, but it's 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 from the book uh, uh, Outlier by yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Uh t- for example, like you, you get your ten thousand hours, you, you spend hours uh, mastering one craft and all that. That's why um with my um artist hat, I mean You know, I um, sometimes I appreciate people that want to explore and um, do, like, uh, different things, you know, in in life. Um, Mm. When it comes to art, you know, like uh, painting and all that. By all means, do it. However, like, to be a professional uh, painter or Mm -hmm. artist or creative person, you need to put your 10,000 hours. And the person that's really has that really has mastered that craft can tell if that person has put like a lot of energy uh, in terms of thinking in terms of like uh research practice and so forth you know kind of reminds me of uh there's a great movie i don't know if you've seen it uh it's it's um it's called the outfit the outfit yeah it's this british um um British gentleman who makes um, outfits like uh, um, suits and so mm-hmm. forth and it's so interesting. It shows you the mastery behind it and I I can actually use something different like uh, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely see that movie The Outfit mm-hmm. and something you can probably relate because I remember us uh, having our uh, roomies uh, lunch in Italy. I mean, if people <laughs> are listening Jay or again and I we used to be roommates and Torino, Italy, and um, for example, like think about chef's table, right? Yeah. This is a beauty into mastery, you know? Yeah. You see those chefs. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. No, there is, and especially when you see how much they're still enjoying life. Actually, like I, I had the pleasure. I like guess it's not mm. that much of an honor because you kind of you kind of pay for it, but uh, the pleasure <laughs> of uh, of meeting one of the chefs of Chef's Table. Like I, I went to really? Massimo's uh, restaurant in, in Modena, like the Osteria oh, yes, Francescana. Yes. And man, like that guy, when you talk to him, like he's just, he's just glowing. Like he's just so happy. And like he, he goes from table to table and you can ask him a few mm-hmm. questions and take a picture. And. Like so I got to listen not only to my questions that I asked, like to the answers to them, but also like what other people ask. And whenever they would talk like about the craft or how he would come up with the menu or like his restaurants or his businesses, and you could really see whenever it was about like more like the restaurants or more like the not so the more organizational projects that are not so food related, he would be like still enthusiastic. Like kind of like mission driven I guess in that sense, but whenever it was about food, he was just like his eyes were just glowing, and like you he would tell. talk about the hours they spent during covid creating this new uh this new menu, and he was just like nice. all the things they tried and like so you you could just see like this guy has spent so much time, so much time cooking, so much time, <laughs> time preparing stuff, and like after that was like a long day right they do lunch and do dinner, and that was like at ten thirty or something when he when he came out of the kitchen, when they already, like, when they cleaned the kitchen and everything um, was kind of uh-huh. over. And everyone was, like, sitting with dessert. And he was, like, like, that was a long day. And that guy was just so full of energy and so, like, just sprayed enthusiasm. It was, amazing. it was amazing, yeah. Like, yeah, because, I like, mean, th- yeah, I got... That, that comes from doing something you really love over so many years and just still loving it having spent so much time doing something that makes you happy like Mm -hmm. his brain structures i I would like to see that like what glows when he cooks (laughs) like which which areas in his in his head uh in in his brain like i'm I'm sure there's like there's like a physical change to that because it kind of has to right like if you experience Uh so much joy over a certain time with one activity like the Mm -hmm. brain structure doesn't I'm I'm sure it leaves some some traces, so maybe I should get some neuroscientist who who specialized in that on a podcast and ask him about yeah. that.
1: So I like, mean, that, that's your feel, like, but that's 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 a very interesting point, like way of looking at it. Actually, to see what what uh, how he feels and what it looks like in his brain, you know, like the mm. flow. Yeah, I mean, and you, you said uh, it ended at. 10.30 at night,
0: right? Yeah, yeah if, if it was like very late. I think I, I, have a, yeah. I, I took a picture at the end with our elevator um, outside, and I think it was around 11-something, and we were about the last to leave. And yeah. uh, so I, I guess, like, Massimo we came around like 10, 10.30. That's
1: amazing. Because the, the thing was, like, if, if, you're, if you're a chef, a mission mm-hmm. star chef, right? I'm sure, like, your day does not start when you get to the kitchen, like you have to, like uh, think about the whole the whole process. Yeah. Like you have to design what you're gonna do. So he's been working for hours, then uh, being in the kitchen, and but still, you're saying he, he had that glow, that energy. He was like, dude, I had so much fun. The process was amazing, yeah. and I'm so glad you guys enjoyed what I created and what the team made for you. Yeah, right. yeah, there was, there and there's
0: expecting-
1: yeah. sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, there's also beauty in, like, sharing your um, creation, right? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You could just really see he
0: was, like, really, just really, really happy with where he's at in life.
1: Yeah. Are you are you familiar with the word uh, ik- ikigai? Yeah. The Japanese sure. word? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's his ikigai, you know? Something, like, he's, like, uh, freaking good at. Something that he's uh, passionate about, something that the world needs. I mean, you needed it. You definitely went yeah. and you had a great time. And something, something like you do get paid for. I mean, I'm sure he gets paid a lot for what he's doing, right? So, and right in the middle, boom. Yeah, it's called purpose, man. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> have you have you uh figure out yours, your uh purpose, or uh, if you no. got it in that sense, or still working on it? Uh, yeah, that's a big question. And uh, a, a very
0: very present question that I ask myself as well. Because like now like done with the first year of grad school, I have another year. Congrats, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh yeah, it's it's see, also like job wise, you kinda have to you have to limit yourself somewhere. Like when you mm. like I wanna work a company after I graduate at least for like a a year or two and you can't just do everything like it's not your business you can't just create different stuff here and there you kind of have to apply for something like for a Mm -hmm. present need that a company has so it's a bit hard to to choose like uh, especially like the trade-off between I feel I'm learning new things. I am trying out new stuff professionally. Started off with like organizational culture and a little bit of uh, teaching in, in seminar rooms, like workshop instructor, and then kind of got into business. And then from okay. there, more into entrepreneurship. And then from yeah. kind of into the whole data science and now artificial intelligence and uh, like mm-hmm. human centered artificial intelligence world. So, like mm. ethics. Concerns, design of those Mm. of applications. So it's like there's like so many different things, and each of them I could imagine doing in my professional life. But like, Mm. which one to start with? Each of them has trade offs in in a lot of ways, like in the experience I might get, the people I will work with, where I kind of gather those hours, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, it's definitely the plan to to. Work on my own project in the long run, mm-hmm. um, my own, like just like more the entrepreneurial path. So there's also mm-hmm. something that that I have to take into consideration. So there is just different aspects where I'm not exactly sure yet uh, which one mm-hmm. I want to focus on, but uh, it's giving me a, giving
1: me a lot to think. Yeah, I mean thinking. Yeah, that's 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 a key thing. Like um, I. I feel like uh, there needs to be, like, the balance between, between like, um, the thinking part, like, the logos, mm-hmm. and the feeling part, the pathos, you know? Mm-hmm. May, may, maybe, I mean, I'm not an expert, but maybe, like, uh, the feeling part, that's that's where you need to, like, dive a bit deeper to see which one feels better for you, also. Because mm-hmm. I feel like uh, with the thinking, like, okay, I know I can do this, I can do that, I can do that, but which one feels like uh, like you, like uh, Jay, like Yugen, yeah. you know, like which one feels good for you? And also, like you're you're in the a perfect setting because you mentioned entrepreneurship. Like uh, you're in California at uh, Stanford. They have like a uh, great uh, great staff, great resources. So it's a great way to figure out which one of those avenue like uh feel you, you know, yeah, if you get what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it is a
0: great place to play around. Also, like with the open campus um, concept, so I can take classes, like as long as I have credits to spare, I can take classes wherever it's I want amazing. to. And uh, that really gives you a lot of freedom. And also, like the people you meet, um, in classes, so there's there all those different things where you can try out stuff. Uh, but it's it's like the metaphor mm-hmm. that is often used here is, it's like a candy shop. Like <laughs> in what you, sense? Like <laughs> you, you, you certainly have clear preferences in a candy shop, right? Uh like yeah. some people like gummy bears, some people like chocolate, some people like ice cream, some people like pies and cakes and whatever else. But there's probably gonna be more candy that you can possibly eat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you kinda have to make up your mind. Uh for the time that you have, it's limited time that you have in the candy store. What you are gonna? want to invest in.
1: I totally get what you're saying, 100. Actually, that's that's one thing I usually tell friends that 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 moved or want to move to New York because I'm currently here. Hmm. I usually tell them, dude, the city's huge. Like, yes, there's a lot to do. Like, if you want to focus on one thing, like, there's a lot to do, a lot of opportunities, a lot of places where you can grow, you can learn, and meet people. But at the same time, if you're not super, like, focused from the get-go on where you want to go and what you want to do, you'll get easily distracted, like, in a candy store and uh, not know, like, what to eat (laughs) or (laughs) eat too much, I guess. Yeah. It's amazing. That's
0: drugs. I mean, mean, like, there's a great, there's, like, really like complaining on a very high level or oh, like I, I don't know how to say that. Um it's I don't know what like the 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 thoughts, they're like they're great problems to have. Like I'm really happy to have that kind of problems that I get to choose professionally. Mm. That I get to choose from different paths that all
1: include
0: really cool sites. Um dude. So
1: That's, I mean, that's a great point, actually, especially, you know, I was, I was thinking about that lately, especially my parents uh, place, right? Haiti, right? Mm -hmm. It's in turmoil right now. And a lot of uh, the youth, like young people that are capable, they don't have that luxury of uh, choosing certain paths, right? Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it makes you think about perspective in in life and uh, gratitude. And also like, um, what's the word? Uh, environment, you know, where you are affects, yeah. like, who you become, right? So, yeah. yeah, like, definitely. Yeah, it's a great problem to have in that sense. And and uh, are you going to write a, a thesis, like, at, your, at the end of your um, master's program? Or? Um,
0: yeah, so the thing is, like, they call it capstone. So it's yeah. on the project side, but still very academic. So in the end, the goal is to write something in the form of a conference paper. So basically an academic paper where you that you present using like a poster. So kind of like where you put mm-hmm. all the information, all the graphs, click some data visualizations. And it has to be like the uh, program I'm doing is called education data science. So it's like mm-hmm. applying new technologies and uh, data science um methodology and uh, in the educational domain so mm. that can be that can be super broad right like education is a huge field it's not only classroom like teacher students not only universities mm-hmm. but it's also like lifelong learning duolingo for example mm. education mm-hmm. or reskilling upskilling of mm. workers like think amazons logistic centers or fulfillment centers, like all the people, they mm-hmm. are are constantly having the opportunity to kind of like upskill in terms of learning new skills to get this other career path. So, and like more and more and more things, and uh, like the the research I'm doing right now is around um the design of of like generative AI tools. And even mm. from there you can kind of find like an, an educational perspective when it comes to when it comes to that. So there are a lot of different a uh, different paths to go, uh, also for your for your capstone project.
1: Wow. So many different avenues, man. Yeah. And what's your? <laughs> so basically, like, I see that you you mentioned like uh like uh Duolingo or Coursera, all all those like um ed tech um companies, mm. right? Yeah. Is it is it is it something you might be interested in, in the future? And also like uh, there's another question like um, I'm interested in because you mentioned AI. I just want to know your thought about AI because you didn't mention like human centered AI. So yeah, just want to know. Hmm. Okay,
0: the, let's get the first question out of the way. So yeah. there are lots of edtech companies and like there are huge ones like Coursera for example. I've used Coursera really good classes. Some are amazing, some are okay as it is with classes in general, right? It all depends mm-hmm. on the lecture and the learning design. So cool companies. Do I feel super engaged with how I as a user see their vision not so much but maybe if I would look at those companies closer from an employer or employee perspective maybe I would identify myself with them more so mm. there aren't a huge focus right now but I could imagine uh, spending some time in in a tech company so yeah. it's all like under debate in my head Okay. <laughs> It's not close, but it's it's uh it's 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 also open so yeah, yeah. exactly uh but yeah the latter thing
1: what do you want to know no, I just want to know what you think about um artificial intelligence ai in general mm. and uh and why did you also mention like the the more human centered design mm. part of ai because I remember like when I was doing my master's in in the u k one of the classes um I took was about like a mm-hmm. uh, Building this um, startup mm-hmm. that's very social driven and focused and mm-hmm. also thinking about a human centered approach like creating the product or the service that's in a sense helping um, Society, you mm-hmm. know, and thinking about the person that art is poss- Possibly going to use what you you created. Mm-hmm. Yeah
0: Yeah, I mean uh... Can apply it in a sense to to AI as well, especially like to to artificial intelligence using tools. So for me, when I got into data science, twenty eighteen, I guess is okay. when I when I made the switch, and like getting into it, like especially from a business side. Mm -hmm. had to learn programming had to learn more about statistics had to learn the basic mathematical concepts underlying it but it was just not obvious to me especially for how i was taught about for example machine learning or deep learning applications Mm. what the actual trade-offs between different approaches are so like you would, we would have, for example, a class and you would learn all those different machine learning models. And they are evaluated by kind of like performance. Like, for example, if you would train a model to do classification, so basically say, this is X, this is epsilon. So, for example, you would give it pictures and you would either have to say, dog cat or something else Wait,
1: for I mean for the people not uh, understanding epsilon is why so got yeah so uh,
0: like for example classification dog cat something else yeah and uh, in the end if from a business side or when you when you would work from or did the way we were taught it was basically okay The the one that has the highest accuracy, sort of, is the like gives the most accurate predictions on if this Mm -hmm. picture is a cat, a dog, or something else. That's the best model to use. And then there are like some statistical ways of like evaluating it from the side of okay, does it like how does it like like does it like where where are the where the errors? But because it's mathematical, like it's, it's complicated. It's really hard for, for a person that doesn't have a good machine learning background or a good math background to understand them. It's really hard for a lot of people who just use them to understand where the decision making goes wrong. And it's kind of okay if you do cat-dog classifications, but it's not so mm-hmm. okay anymore if you do like digital pathologies or cancer detection. In patients where mm. it's good to know or some would say it's a must know for a doctor if the model gives is like 85% confident about its prediction it would be good to know, like for example you take a, a scan of um a tumor let's say for breast mm-hmm. cancer for example uh mm-hmm. it would be good for the doctor to know w- where on this picture the model is certain that this is mm-hmm. cancer tissue and where it is uncertain and like where this uncertainty comes from and there are models that are more transparent where that the person using it gets a good understanding of where it comes from but especially the more complex models and the better models so to say the one with the higher accuracy are just more and more complicated and i want to say i got into this whole explainable ai space it's called or something human-centered ai and um, mm-hmm. i got into that in 2019 and back mm-hmm. then it was kind of like the literature was kind of very early when it came, yeah, it's to early, 2019. The nations. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say now the 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 tools have developed more to explainability to understand to uh, how a prediction is being made, like with graphical interfaces. Like for example, when you have a picture, kind of like different mm-hmm. color coding for in which part of this picture the the model is uh, how certain. Uh, but there's still like lots of application where you just don't have a really good understanding of why this prediction is being made that way. And, or that you have to have a really good background in machine learning or math to have a good understanding why it is that way. And there I see a lot of things that can be done better. And then like more from the human-centered AI perspective when it comes now to generative AI, and that's something I'm I'm working on, um, mm-hmm. like on the side, is how far do the, the people developing applications with like let's say a large language model, so a, a huge mm-hmm. text generating model or text analyzing model. How far do the people who develop new applications with this uh think about ethical concerns? Mm. So let's say hmm, you build you build an um application that writes stories, children, like mm-hmm. creative creative text for for books. And mm-hmm. It's designed to write children's books. You can just take one of those underlying technologies and put a nice graphical interface on top of it and be like, okay, the user can use this to create stories for children. But Mm -hmm. chances are that the person developing this application has no idea or not much of an idea how... This application will create stories. So, for example, if you they they work a lot with um, probability. So, in the mm-hmm. sense of the more op- it thinks, or it could could be that the model thinks the more often it h- self has heard or learned about a kid being male, then it might write much more stories about male children or in its story much more male children would occur. Um, or when, for example, most stories are just about cats and dogs, it might only write about cats and dogs as if other animals just don't exist because maybe the model has just never been trained with text where other animals have existed.
1: So, so I, uh, I'm sorry, uh, sorry I'm going to cut you. Uh, are you. Are you implying that the model might be uh, biased? Yes, So. Yeah, so um, Generally okay. all models are biased, right? Like every human is
0: biased. Yeah, like, to an
1: extent. Right, what's the name of uh uh what's what's the name of the famous guy that, that said um is it uh uh Richard um uh, what's the name? Um I'm forgetting but is it Fenway or I don't know, like um, Feynman? Uh, Feynman, yes, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> a physicist. A physicist, yeah, I know. <laughs> I just thought a I was just blank. But yeah, I mean, yeah, God, carry on. Like bias, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, so like every every that's actually a really important point that a lot of people don't understand good enough. Or that's maybe not obvious enough or not part of the discussion, but like every human is biased. We're all biased in one way or the other, just by mere exposure. So like yeah. taking every kind of preferences, oh like leaving that all aside, but just we know that the more often you see a thing, like, for example, the more often you see a certain kind of dog, the Mm -hmm. more likely you will like this dog. So just by having never seen a certain kind of breed, uh, you might have an initial preference, like maybe on, um, if you like, white and black, for example, for Damachian dogs. Uh, but the more uh-huh. you'll see it, you will probably get more familiar with it. It makes it for your brain easier to understand what you're seeing uh-huh. and you will automatically like it more. So just by that occurrence, just by liking something more, you, will, you might talk more about it. Like the more the dimensions you see and you talk with a friend about dogs, you will probably much more likely talk about this kind of dog compared mm-hmm. to all other dogs that you know of. So there is this easy look kind how we we just process information, or how we make selection of what we talk about when we have lots of options. And for humans, okay. this is very normal in a sense and usually not super harmful. Mm-hmm. But when we are talking about a tool that is being used by millions or maybe even billions mm. of people, like, for example, ChatGPT right now, like, Mm -hmm. A lot of students might use that for brainstorming or for text generation. Um, They they will be biased in a certain way because the model is one thing. So it Mm -hmm. starts somewhere. Um, Mm. And if it has much more input, like let's say has much more learned under parentheses um, about Mm -hmm. Dalmatian dogs than about German Shepherds, then we probably tell much more stories, including a, the match and dog, and that can lead to problems, can lead to bias, can lead to misunderstandings, can even lead to harm when it's yeah, about, um, for example, the occurrence of people of certain ethnicities or genders, etc., mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And 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 uh, I mean I, I I do have a follow up question. I, I mean I do get your point in terms of like um, um ethical in terms of uh, the artificial intelligence being super biased. At the same time, it's all about gathering data, right? Um, so is it also a reflection of like a society in the sense that uh gathering gathering data from the U.S. from uh, let's say from France from the U.K. like uh it, and those people are like uh all those, uh, data coming out of those places, is it, is it a reflection of, um, that society of those, uh, places or do you, yeah. do you, do you get mean, my drift or like, when, when it yeah. comes to people,
0: like when it comes to yeah.
1: seeing what people, people think of. Yeah. Cause the thing is like, uh, you, uh creating the AI, it, mm. it, uh, it, it gets much of like, uh, data from somewhere, right? Yeah. So all those data are being processed. Yeah. So like those data are, are those data reflection of uh, yeah. the mass thinking of um, that said society, you know, or yeah. city or country or 100% region. 100% biased. You name, biased. It, right? Like,
0: th- you name it, right? Think think about, let's say you train a model with all data of the internet.
1: Yeah. I mean, although like there are some ethical questions in terms of like um, um, rights, you know, like yeah, um, I mean, copyrights and so 100%, forth, One hundred percent.
0: But just like yeah. from from the bias perspective, theoretically, yeah. you use the whole internet. Who, and let's say the internet only exists, like consists of documents. Like who produces the most documents in this world? That's a good question. I don't have that answer. Do you theoretically, like, let's say from a logical perspective, the people who use the internet the most. So
1: okay, makes sense.
0: Let's just say everyone uses the internet the most, like the same from once they started. Then the people who started to use the internet earlier have a much higher, like, a much more documents of themselves and of their world on the internet. So let's say internet started in the United States and probably spread from there kinder to Europe, then you can already see just from that perspective that there will be much more data from the United States and Europeans um, Mm. in the internet. And uh, especially when you look at usage, internet usage, uh, currently much more participation is happening from, from... the let's say Western world, like higher income countries, and yeah. that makes it biased against lower income countries. Like, you, that's a good point. Yeah. So, like, all those things, and they are not meant to harm anyone, right? It's not like someone is mm-hmm. like, oh, we only take Western world documents, but you just mm-hmm. won't find many documents from North Korea on the public internet, for example, or you will find a lot less documents from. Uh, people in Afghanistan, for example, just because or of lack or like like uh, Africa or, or different Africa. countries in Africa, yeah, different countries in Africa, like all yeah. fifty plus uh, countries in Africa. yeah, right. or yeah. if you if you look at all all those countries and let's say they only use content that was generated in in different countries in Africa, then even there you would have a clear bias for some countries over others just because some ethnicities have more people or because mm-hmm. some ethnicities have a higher income and thus use much more like produce much more documents on their phones on their laptops etc yeah. etc cetera, et cetera. Yes, so like, all yeah. those things just kind of bias it right let's let's say there are um much more people or let's say nigeria produces much, or people in nigeria produce much more uh, documents than people in ethiopia mm-hmm. if you use all that information and put it into a model, and then you ask to write it a story about a typical African kid doing something. Then, mm-hmm. with a much higher likelihood, that kid will be Nigerian than Ethiopian, good, because for yeah. the model, it's just a much
1: higher occurrence. That's a good point. Yeah. Wow. And uh, do do you, do you see any like uh, solutions? For uh, for it to be less biased, you know. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's not gonna be biased, but to be less biased, you know? <laughs> yeah. So there are ways to
0: to bias it less, right? Like for example, if you know, if you know that, um, if you know that eighty percent of your data is from Nigeria and twenty percent from Ethiopia, then you can design the system that way that it still thinks it's 50-50. And that it's yeah. still like you kinda you just just, stay, yeah. just yeah. use yeah. more of the one thing proportionally than of the other thing. And then you kind of end up with 50-50. But the problem is you have to know. Like that's like one of the first things. You have to know. You have to do the work of going deep into your data and looking for all the different biases. And with some things it's a little easier. Like for example okay, how often are men mentioned, like males mentioned to be politicians versus females? Uh, and then you can do the correction there. But then in a lot of documents, it might not be explicitly the word male being used and the word female being used, but then you have to look for, and language is complicated and different languages mm-hmm. are like, if you look, look at several languages at the same time, it gets more complicated. Like, for example, yeah. I believe Chinese doesn't have a, a character f- or doesn't have a specific gender character. I think it's more from context. Maybe I'm wrong. Um,
1: oh, really? I, I'm I, sure there I, are some languages. don't speak, don't speak Mandarin or Cantonese, <laughs> so I can't tell you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wish, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm
0: sure there's some language out there that doesn't have a specific sex in their language. Uh, so for example how how do you do it there right like how do you Mm. look for something you can't explicitly look for Mm -hmm. so there are all those issues just with kind of like obvious biases that are still Mm kind of hard to fix so less biased yes you will Mm -hmm. always have a bias just because in the end there will be kind of like gray area decisions to be made and the person making the decision will certainly have a bias in one way or the other. There you go. Yeah. So <laughs> the, you, you will always kind of tip on one way or the other. And but it's not just one thing that tips, right? It's like one of those applications have a million things to kind of tip. So you kind of like the, the balancing act is, is really tricky.
1: <laughs> Dude, yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to find like the right sample and to be as objective as possible because yes. you're the, yeah, Wow. I like what you said. Less biased. It's not. It's not about being less right. Biased. It's about being less wrong. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm. I'm trying to be less biased with, with my um, statements. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, and uh, okay, let's 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 get into a little bit of uh, mainstream. I'm I'm thinking about something like because a lot of people are saying like AI is like the death of like us as a species and not now but in the future. Do you, do you think it's a it's a fallacy? I th- think uh think it's wrong to say that or is there a possibility because I mean uh, what's the name um the OpenAI CEO said um Sam uh he said something uh, that we should be very like uh, careful about AI. Right?
0: Yeah. I I think Everything that we that is easily distrib- like that we can easily distribute on scale, like mm. everything that can easily either have like a- everything that can have an effect on a billion people or more should be done very carefully Good point it doesn't only apply to AI. It applies to so many things, but I can see why people are especially freaking out over it because it's such a black box, because it's so hard to look into the inner workings of it.
1: And yeah, uh, but the, I get that. Yeah, good. But, but the thing is, if if you kind of look like history, like another thing I'm passionate about, if you look at history, like throughout history, people have been, been scared of like... Um, Innovation, right? New, like uh, new ideas, new technologies, and so always. forth, right? So it's not new uh, that that fear, that sense of, dude, this new thing is going to change our way of living, and this is going to be the end of us, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a,
0: it's a fear that as a society we've always had. And also as individuals has, have always had, because it's like, like, let's make it linear in the sense of the, let's say the opposite of fear is excitement, uh-huh. then it's more like, how are you wired as a person? Like if you're more anxious, you will probably much more likely have fear for everything that's new than mm. excitement. So there's, like, this personal thing alone. But then also, like, as a society, um, we might, like, I guess most people would agree that not everything is perfect in any society. Mm -hmm. But introducing something new always brings the risk of unforeseen consequences with it. So although everyone or most people would agree it's not perfect and it could be improved, it's really hard to say, okay, this thing will make something better without making something worse, because in order to know that, you would have to try it out. And if you try it out, you might make something worse.
1: It's a risk to take.
0: <laughs> See, you. I know that you're yeah. uh, you're very risk uh, with like a, a person with a very no uh, risk, risk uh, aversion. T- uh, yeah, low subversion risk,
1: pressure, risk uh, tolerance yeah. yeah
0: so uh i I can see what you would say that I mean honestly we would <laughs> I should I should have actually known that from the se- from the first day that I met you uh, yeah uh, can, 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 you you
1: can tell our <laughs> listeners how we met and what we what adventure we <laughs> went on the the first day we met uh, Colombia, (laughs) Medellin, Colombia. Yeah,
0: you're a crazy guy. You're definitely very... You're also a a crazy guy. You followed me. (laughs) First day I meet you and you're like, I'm going to go paragliding in Medellin tomorrow. Like in your first week being in that country. And was was your first time paragliding?
1: First time paragliding. And mind mind you, I also have a little fear of heights. So I was like, uh, you know what? Carpe diem. I'm doing it. (laughs) So, <laughs> but uh, you you were smart also. You said because uh, when the guy came to us, he was asking who wants to go first. You were like, and I was like, "Oh shit, I have." I, was, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say shit, but uh, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do it." You but did a great job. It's happening.
0: You did a great job, and honestly, your landing so was, you. or your your takeoff was definitely more graceful because at our takeoff, oh no, was it the landing? No, at the landing, yeah, we almost hit that other guy. Uh, there's a video. Yeah, you made a video of that.
1: Uh, I did. Cause cause when I went, like the wind was like a bit stronger also yeah. for me. Cause you had to wait a little bit yeah. longer to like to, to get the exact wind yeah. um to go up. But that was amazing. I mean that's I mean we just met and uh where was it and uh, uh during a tour of yeah, Una thirteen, yes. like where uh, Pablo Escobar uh used to operate also so and we started talking and we connected talking about business and i was like you know what tomorrow i'm doing paragliding do you want to <laughs> join you're like fuck yeah i was like you said yes i was like yeah i was so excited i was like mm, that's amazing <laughs> man honestly when, when an
0: opportunity like this comes along it just I I love to say yes to things like yeah, that. Like, like, especially with things that scare me and it was definitely a scary <laughs> experience. Um, like you, it's like, okay, let's put it that way. When there's something great happening in your life, but uh-huh. not like immediately, but that will you will have to wait some time. Then some people like to just like have this, in, in German, we call it Vorfreude. It's this this uh, okay. enthusiasm, this, Yes, this, I'm this, uh, this happiness, yeah. the happiness you have before something occurs. Like, for example, oh, okay. like if you, so I, I, I used to play video games a lot. So when there was a new video game being announced, I would just be so happy over those next month before the game comes out. I would consume like the trailers and like all those sneak peeks and I would be so happy about it. Like so much enthusiasm nice. for it. And so much Vorfreude for it, and yeah, the anticipation. Exactly know, like, the anticipation, and that was like that was great because no one can take that away from you. And then sometimes the game sucked, but I would still have like those rides before I was just like super happy. Uh, so you might yeah. say that you want to you want to increase those periods of uh, of anticipation because they actually mm. give you a very like risk free high risk-free positive emotions because it doesn't matter if it actually delivers or not that much. Like over oh. this time, you will have a positive effect for it. Um, with and you get a good high out of it also. Yeah. yeah. And with things you um, are afraid of, you actually want to do it the other way around. So I yeah. know I'm afraid of heights. So if I would have started Googling before going to Columbia where I could do paragliding, I would have had the daily fight in my head of, Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? For reasons why I shouldn't do this, reasons why I should do it, blah, blah, blah. But I just like generally was like, hmm, I would really like to paraglide someday. Put that away in my head. And then you came along and you were like, I'm going paragliding tomorrow. Do you want to come? And I just said, yes, I only had less <laughs> than 24 <laughs> hours to worry about the consequences. And
1: I had an amazing time exactly. doing it though. So, so so you're saying like the the more you like linger about something that you're afraid of, the less likely you'll do it because you're you're so you're so wired to to be risk adverse in yeah. that sense, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. you yeah. might be, right?
1: Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, uh, I mean, like they say in French, uh, "chapeau bas," you know, uh, hats off. You know, yeah, <laughs> uh, you were like, uh, "I'm gonna do it." I was excited, yeah, and uh, and also. Like uh, and we met up again in uh, Italy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ah, ah. Uh, that,
0: was, that
1: was interesting. I mean, I guess that that's another thing that
0: kind of falls on the risk. I I didn't see it back then like that. Uh, but I guess you could see that that falls under another risk. Risk for uh, me, Assessment for me.
1: For me, it it was a risk. Like because that year I was I was basically doing my masters and mm. working my thesis and just traveling around a bit. Yeah. And I literally had to like cut my travels when yeah. I learned I got accepted for the second round. Yeah. And that's a risk I took and I was like, you know what? Let me just pay for my ticket and just go in Italy and see if I'm gonna get into the final round. So yeah. and yeah, I was quite bold and yeah, it was it was a great it was a great experience. Like uh first time over there. Yeah. Then uh after a third month I was I was in Spain, uh with France friends and Sevilla uh, where else? I went to Budapest, and after that, um, Spain again. A small town called Alicante. If you have not been, you should definitely go. Like it's no, beautiful. No, haven't been Alicante. Like uh, it's by the water, so chill. Best paella mm. in the world over there, and people are like so nice. And nice. I stayed over there for about two weeks, having a great time. And I got the email, and, and went to Turin, Italy. Yeah. Ugh. So uh, overall, like, uh, what, what do you think about that experience, like over, over there, like, because uh, near the Alps, you know, super cold at first, but still, <laughs> still fun. I mean, honestly,
0: I I loved the experience as far as I got to experience it. So yes, the storm yes. camp was great. I, this mm-hmm. week I was just on such a such a endorphin trip.
1: Just like no, can can you like can you explain to people yeah, listening sure. what's what's a storm camp like? That's, uh, that's, they might not know. That's
0: really good. Yeah, um, that's yeah. a really good point. So, so Vento is this startup accelerator, startup like venture builder they call themselves. So, kind of you go there as a person, uh, apply for it, and they select people they think would make great entrepreneurs, and then put them together in teams, and you work on an idea either on your own idea or on an idea they give you with a partner company or not and then just work on that so the storm camp is kind of the last phase of the selection process being an assessment center it's a fancy word for a pretty cool assessment center because instead Mm -hmm. of going through different defined steps your goal is it in your group in our case with like five people to Mm -hmm. come up with a pitch for to raise money for a seed round. So, you don't have to build a prototype in 5 days although that would mm-hmm. pretty much give you a ticket to get into the the program. A prototype uh, in 5 days?
1: I mean, you could. <laughs> depends a, on the product. Right? A, it, the, yeah, the depends on the product, yeah. 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 I should do have a few in mind, but So, yeah, just to...
0: It's important that they see that you get along with people in stressful situations, that you're good at making decisions, that you're good at market sizing and some design choices and some marketing and just, yeah, general good thoughts. And it's like five days super short. Like, in reality, you have like, what? three and a half days because the first half of the day is kind of like hey here we are this is your task and then you get together with those people and you have half a day then you have like three full days and then the fifth day is just presentations uh so really fast but it was amazing yeah it was amazing like i had i enjoyed it so much like i would go to what was it called again the place where uh, OGR OGR like the, go to Edge yeah, the... in the morning. Just be like super enthusiastic about it. Get OGR is it. like
1: the it's like the tech hub and um, uh, Turin, Torino, Turin. yeah. Italy. So From... super nice, well designed, yes. amazing, very like very uh, contemporary. Yeah. Beautiful. So I I enjoyed it a
0: lot. And yeah. then the program itself. I mean, that's actually like I I can't can't say enough, or I don't have a full picture about it because I left in.
1: What March? Like, uh, because yeah, of like uh, like two months after you, you, yeah. you had to leave, right? So it it it, yeah. beca- it it started
0: end of January. I left in March, so I didn't get the the full thing. But a you stayed month, there until yes. June. So, so now a yes. year later, how? Yeah. What's your resume?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a great question, actually. Um, honestly, for me, like, I feel like, um, in terms of like growing as a person and learning what I like and what I do not like in terms of like uh, the team aspect of it, it was very like eye opening. And um, in terms of also like uh, for me, I try to be a leader in the sense that I like to lead by example and also watch people and not impose myself at times. Like when it, when it's uh, when you have a small window or a small frame, it's kind of good to like a, Put your like uh your, your foot forward and say like guys we're doing this we're doing that because I mean you, you 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 did get a few like um people during your your storm camp right that yeah. were not seeing eye to eye right it's at the end of the day it has to be about it you have to learn how to deal with people in that sense relationship dealing with people of course skills are necessary but uh, dealing with people and having the same vision. That's that's, uh, that's interesting. My uh, my um, my team like we were more in the fintech um, area because for me I think like um, I was like very into like investing and um, trying to learn how to manage money and all that. Although like uh, at first I'm a i am like products I like creating things that solve like uh, societal issues like uh, that you can touch you can feel. So at first I was leaning more towards that um that sort of um uh prosthetic that helps people walk better cuz my aunt she's been on a wheelchair since 2000 so I was wow. like yeah she had, she, had a, is, she had a she had what's she had she had what's what's the name of that thing? she had a stroke and oh. yeah that put her on a wheelchair uh she's I'm super sorry. strong like amazing amazing lady she introduced me to uh Paulo Coelho the wow. Alchemist. Great book. Nice. And um, yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, dude, if, if I could be part of that team and create something so cool, I can maybe help her, like maybe walk for like five minutes. Right. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm really into like those products. But when I talked to Alessandro, um, he told me like this slash um, that part of the program. I was like, you know what? Let, let me do the fintech. But uh, um, and it taught me a lot about the importance of um, the ecosystem, also, and what role culture plays when creating a business, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, and also I've uh, I did improve on my Italian language skills. So. <laughs> <laughs> not certainly, in, uh, yeah. but like, so, okay,
0: yeah.
1: I, I feel like it's a. I mean, and in, 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 in the end, I I I. I we parted ways. I mean I didn't I didn't uh continue with the business idea with, with, yeah. with um those guys. I mean I, I wish them well. Yeah. And um yeah, I
0: mean did your perspective change on what it takes to I mean the goal is to build a unicorn startup uh, of this venture builder because that's like mm-hmm. the goal for investors. And so it's not classic entrepreneurship, it's venture entrepreneurship, but did it change so, your perspective yeah. on on what it takes to build a unicorn?
1: Um, first of all, um, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the word like a unicorn when using it for uh, business. You know, yeah. Because the thing is, like, uh, I mean, uh, first of all, people are listening, a unicorn is a is a business that's valued in the in the billions. Hmm. So, I mean, not. All business uh, needs to be valued in the billions. Not all businessmen or women or what what you name yourself wants to have a business that valued valued in the billions. You can yeah. have a uh, ten million, a hundred, or yeah. That's the thing. Like for me, I feel like um, in that venture space, like people are like so focused on like um, working as fast as possible to create yeah. like a uh, that business. That's making a lot of money, or not even making a lot of money, that is valued at a billion. That's the big difference, right? Uh, For example, like Uber, who uh, Uber has not made any profits yet, but it's valued at um, a lot of money, right? Value at a lot of money. For me, like it destroys the beauty of like uh, putting um, hard work in the sense that you're creating something out of you, that mastery. Because I feel like if something is gonna last, it's uh, you have to think about long term and you have to go through certain basic steps and not rush them and not rush them. So you can va- uh, have your business value like super quick. I mean, yes, you want to create a, a business. Yes, you want to take your time, make sure uh, you you work on the right foundations and so forth. If, if it's uh, generating profits and the value is going up and someone gives you an offer, and it's something you feel that's fair. You can say, "Okay, fine, guys. What do you think if we sell it?" So you can sell it and go work on another project, right? And I and also like uh, it also opened my eyes in the sense that the startup also like um, I th- I think uh, a lot of people are not gonna like what I'm what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I feel I feel like ego plays a Big part in the startup culture. Like, people are just creating things just to be seen and to receive those accolades instead of like creating something that's a win win win, like a win for the business, win for the people, and win for you, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, people have to check their egos. And, um, anyways, that's that's my take. And I think also you have to think about your ikigai when creating. Those businesses, right? So mm. why why would it, why would I spend like twenty hours or or more? Not twenty hours, but like fourteen hours or more on a product? I'm not even fully invested um, emotionally, right? So I don't see the bigger vision of it, you know? Yeah, so I mean, like fourteen hours like a that. day,
0: sitting down,
1: plowing out ideas. Yeah, it's an hour yeah. sitting down, and um, and uh, what else? One last thing, and it also like opened my eyes that um, the idea of like working hard is not enough. Because mm. I can, if you want to find hard workers, go go outside and find a construction worker or people that are working super hard. That doesn't mean they are um, wealthy um, in terms of society um, yeah. measurement of wealth. But you have to be smart and uh, work smart also. So, hashtag Tim Ferriss, you know. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So e- ego, uh, ego. What do you think?
0: X. Um, working smart and just hard.
1: I like the general. uh That the. Uh, A bigger vision also, right? Not not just um, and not think about like um, fast money. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's, that's what
0: that was. Always... Fast money
1: like annoys me. Yeah, I mean, This that... has to be beautiful, you know. You have to build it, you know. Yeah, it I feels mean, fine. Pivot, you know, but or do something else, but dude, I, I gave what you mean. Like, um, this is uh, I just hate a fast money, man. Topic I don't know. that makes me a little <laughs> that
0: makes me a little uh, not uncomfortable. It's the wrong word, but a little icky. Uh, this, yeah. This idea, like, okay, to be fair, we, we have to say we're talking from the outside. It's not like we have built a unicorn. I was not planning on building a unicorn. Exactly. But, it's, uh, I mean, so this, this, it's, it's still a little bit disclaimer. biased, just
1: saying. Sure.
0: Uh, <laughs> but, like, I really don't like this thought of you purely evaluate an idea if. For with its potential of becoming a unicorn and how fast. Because yeah. I get it. If you really want to work in a unicorn factory, that's the thing. And from a venture capital perspective, this is what you look out for because you lose yeah. so much money on nine out of ten of your bets. But that's a lot. as a yeah. person and also like as a person who wants to be successful in what they're doing, I'm not sure if that's a game I would want to pick. Like there are so many ways to be successful in business. Mm-hmm. There are so many ways to be happy. And there's certainly Knife. a good overlap between ways to be happy and ways to make a lot of money in business that don't entail working on an idea where everything that gives you, gets you up in the morning is the prospect of making a lot of money or the fear that you've already invested too much so you can't mm. start over for me personally, that's just not how I want to live my life. I have people who do it. uh, Yeah. That's, that's their thing. Right. But just for me personally, and also when it comes to my friends, people I care about, this is not something Mm -hmm. I would, I would advise them to do. Just seeing it from the outside, from the outside, as I said, Mm -hmm. uh, what toll it takes on other people. Like they're, yeah. I mean. Like I don't know. There certainly there are founders and all the founders that I know that are doing well or not so well, that are still happy with what they're doing because they're learning a lot. They get to do okay. really cool work that they enjoy. But yeah. often it's not exactly the idea that makes them super exciting. It's like running a business or working on that application, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like often there is a bit of a discrepancy between what the people would do if they could work on anything and the mm. actual vision of the, the company that are running. Just because it kind of happened, right? Like for a lot of people, they just try out different stuff and then they get pre-seed with like a grant or something for that one idea. Yeah. And then the just kind of start and they pivot. But if you're pivoting, you're kind of limited within that space that you're already working on. Yeah. So there, are, there are all those things when it comes to the venture game. Sorry, give me a second.
1: The venture game. <laughs> I, I, like, it, the way, I it like the way it is. The venture game. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, that that make me just at unease if I think about that. I almost went down that that path myself.
1: Oh yeah. Tell me more about it. Like, um, like, were you trying to work for a venture uh, capitalist um, firm or no, no, like uh, for startup, starting the, your own business? Yes, I mean, yeah. like,
0: before really knowing what it took, I mean, then again, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean. It. Like, I know enough people who got recruited um, okay. for, for a startup, sometimes even, like, in, in, like, higher roles when the startup was just very young uh were certainly qualified for the thing that we were doing but probably didn't have the information necessary to assess if the venture game is a game they want to play mm. uh so there's that uh so that 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 could have happened <coughs> but then also mm. with vento if mm. so I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have still gone to grad school even if the project would have worked out and I didn't have um health issues at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, let's say it would have been a cool project. The team would have been great. Maybe I would have stayed there. Maybe if I didn't have the opportunity to go to grad school, um, would have tried it the next year again, would have already invested too much time because it was the best available option. And I would be raising mm-hmm. money right now for something I would not be fully passionate or very passionate about just because how you yeah. kind of stumbled into it and yes you can say obviously you don't have to um you could end it at any moment or there are lots of evaluation points throughout the journey mm-hmm. but i don't know i when i look at people around me especially like people who are unhappy they often don't really know how they ended up there uh, and uh, uh. I, I don't. I'm say what I'm saying is, this could also happen to myself. I'm not so convinced that oh, this only happens to other people. Could never happen to myself. Uh, yeah, but it certainly could. Just for maybe good intention decision making, just doing something because I think the trade off is great or the payout is great, yeah. uh, and then ending up in a in a situation that I don't appreciate
1: yeah and um, I mean at the end of the day like uh, we're not trees like you can just decide to like um, go a different route but sometimes it's kind of hard to make that decision if you're like fully invested and your your ego is in it no I put like so many hours I just want to see it come to fruition and all that yeah and um but in trying to do it as fast as possible, like, I don't see the beauty in that. Yeah. And for me, like, one thing that's quite important, it's also, like, the quality of life. Because tomorrow is not guaranteed. So I might as well do something that I'm enjoying right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if um if there's an the story that decides to, like, okay, knock on wood, but hit our beautiful planet. So, uh, yeah, you know, so, I don't know. And uh, venture capitalist
0: game. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I Mm. love to talk to people, uh, to entrepreneurs, and a lot of them are in the venture space, and they're great people. And a good amount of them appreciate what they're doing, not only what they're working on, but also the kind of system they're in. And that's great. I mean, it only makes sense that venture investment exists right now. Like financially, it just makes sense, and it enables a lot of really great technology saying is it's not for everyone people should be very cautious about making a decision to get into it and at the point right now i'm in in my life i'm really cautious of not just looking for that way because it's a great way to get funding and to get something into the air because it's not it's probably not going to be over in a year or two but like five years and might we might win, you might fail uh, and then maybe it's 10 years you're going to do it again and then you've already made all those connections in the venture space and all your yeah. thinking and experiences within venture backed startups so you probably wouldn't go and play okay. another business game so there's there are things to consider um, mm. maybe in a couple of years from now I've completely changed my mind but right now
1: See, so very and critical. Speaking of that, that's that's, well, that's one thing I really uh, appreciate about Fento. Like, I remember when uh, the first week when uh, Alexander was doing the the whole like uh, presentation and all that, he yeah. basically made us aware that uh, for all the success stories about uh, entrepreneurs and businesses, you should look at the graveyard of all the companies yeah. that failed. You know, that's the thing. Like, uh, they talk about the beautiful side of it, but like. uh, On a scale of of one to like a hundred, how many um, companies were like, uh, have been successful in that sense, right? So, yeah, and yeah, that's uh, that's those are big questions to ask yourself if you think about getting to that game. Let's say for you, for you, entrepreneurship
0: plays a big role in your life and. Also in the future, I remember that you told me that you worked with your cousin in Haiti. Yeah, so I mean, my cousin.
1: Uh, yeah, my. Uh, I can shoot. Sh- I can go back all the way to my grand, my grandfather. My grandfather uh, came from Haiti. Uh, he um, he had a uh, Jewish uh, families in New York that were in the textile industry, and he came, he after the his military service. Mm-hmm. He just talked to his mom and his sisters and he was like, you know, and also his brother. He was like, um, I'm going to create a, a textile company. And he created it in New York and in Haiti, quite, quite successful. And um, that's that's my grandfather. That's on my grandfather. And uh, in while well, in Haiti, uh, my cousin Hans and my uncle, like uh, Gilbert and my other cousin, uh, Patrick, they created this um Acra culture, so basically like this fish farm at a giant lake in Haiti, like uh, a lot of fish. And I was there like uh, when, when they were building the first cages in the water, like as natural. So, But it grew now and I got a little taste of what it takes to create a startup. At the same time, like I learned a lot about thinking long term, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not just a fast game and knowing your industry. Yeah. And make sure, like your, um, you work on your uh, people skills, and uh, make sure you you learn a lot. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, those are important questions because because uh, Hans he's a he's an um, entrepreneur. Like he created, he was part of a, this company. Uh, I think they sold it, and he created a few companies. And now he resides in California, and they just decided to create that one in Haiti. And also, it was not just making profit, but it, was, it also had a social aspect to it. That's, that's, where I, that's what I like because they were hiring like locals, you know, and creating jobs in and, and yeah. Haiti. And, um, they, they are, so it's, I mean, it's still operational. So,
0: yeah. Like, we were just talking about different funding structures. How did they take that business off?
1: yeah uh funding wise uh they they did have a i mean they do have a few uh business partners like uh mm-hmm. but no venture capitalists like uh to my knowledge right so which yeah
0: so like at the beginning like did they just start very small and then kind of like hire people with the revenue they were making and taking out from there or did they take like a
1: like a bank loan or just have some no no the first, capital? No, no. Uh, personal capital. I, th- I, th- I think. Uh, I think it came down to. I think in the end, total like uh, two million, Wow. and uh, different different uh, partners. And mm-hmm. uh, but it was beautiful to see the progress of starting small, yeah. and uh, building the facility, and and being part of the sales team. Right, I was part of the sales team, like creating events where uh, pro- we could promote the the fish, the, the, the business and, um, and making profit, you know, and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I I mean, just putting some money and having equity or share of a company, uh, gives you more, uh, more, um, space to, um, innovate in that sense. Right. You're not limited, um, with the money of the venture capitalists that, that they only want profit as soon as possible. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Anyways. Or on, and I'm or not, not even that yeah.
0: right? Like yeah. Uh, yeah. For a lot of for a lot of their, yeah, yeah. Their game. Yes, exactly. That game is not to valuation, get yeah. you profitable, but just for the next round, have a good enough valuation that they get bought out. Like for example, if the fund Same. only does like early early stage funding then they mm-hmm. might just look for you to make it to your Series A um, and then you're valued already as like tens of millions and then they just sell all their shares that they have bought during your seed or pre-seed round. So oh, that that that's also a business model, right? Um, that's a business model, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It has an influence that those people will advise you how to, to make your business decisions. So it sounds like you had yeah. a complete different approach because for you, it was really about making profit, making more revenue, employing more
1: people, up like scaling exactly. the business. And also like the word like family, right? Just, it was sheer beauty of me to be wearing the uniform and to be with my mm. cousins and my uncle and seeing us working toge- together together right. and also being in Haiti. Like, that's, uh, it's a magical land. And, um, and the thing is, like one of the investors, like uh, his uh Pat, like his uh, he's part of a family that does like uh, transportation in, in the yeah. U.S. So the company is uh worth it's worth billions, right? So I sat with him and I was asking him, as an entrepreneur, like, uh, what do you think is the most important thing in the business? You know, it was like, uh, family, man. Don't don't forget about your people. You know, I was like, wow, thank you, man. <laughs> You know, it's like uh, creating that community, that space where we walk and work together and be connected, you know? Did, did he
0: mean, like his literal family or did he mean the family is creating with his
1: business? That's a good question. Um, I think he meant both, honestly. <laughs> thinking about it now, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice.
0: I, I like that kind both. of thinking. I mean, there is... yeah there's maybe a little bit too much BS going around when it comes to businesses being families because it's easy to say that, right? It's easy to put that on a wall as a value, but it's really hard to live (laughs) it. But generally, I I appreciate that idea, especially when it is a small company that really makes community-focused decisions where they go through hard times without cutting people. But yeah, just everyone takes a temporary loss, and they're trying to to get through it, or at least like, wasn't it Cheesecake Factory? I believe during the pandemic, when all the restaurants closed, they had to let go. I ho- hope it was them. Um, let go of big portion of the workforce. Okay. And when they recovered, they hired every rehired every single one of them that still wanted to be employed there.
1: Dude, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Um it's amazing. Uh I, yeah, it's it's all about ethics, right? Your uh, your ethos. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I it's quite important like I like you said like a lot of uh companies are using the word family um just to look cool and to like um hire like quality uh, um qu- quality, um em- employees. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think uh, cuz the thing is like at the end of the day like you spend like hours and hours with those people, you might as well enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Y- y- I mean There are also, like, my
0: personal preference is that I'm I'm close with the people that I work, that I Mm -hmm. go on drinks afterwards or work out with them, just like have some kind of personal connection, in a sense, that I at least know something about them. But I have come to understand that that's not how everyone feels. Like uh, a lot of people yeah, like yeah. to reduce it or just be very, very conscious about whom they let into their lives. And for them business are yeah. business relationships or business relationships. They don't want to be part of a culture that has like all kinds of afterworks or team building events. They just want to go to work, work, get out of work and spend their time with all other things. And yes. I exactly. always saw it as an inferior way. People like like missing out, or just being negative, or whatever else. But okay. I get it now more. There's yeah? trade-offs what, with uh, everything. And what it, uh, what changed your mind? Just uh, just seeing different business cultures, just talking to people about their experiences in business cultures, and mm. also. I feel like the older I get, the more conscious I am about how I spend my time. I I I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, uh, yeah, you, you. If if you wanna, time get is the best limited. Yeah, exactly. It's it's T- time
1: it's is very limited. limited, and energy is. Energy is limited, time is limited. At the same time, uh, if I spend time with people, I might as well am having a good time.
0: Yes. It has so, to be fun for me. Okay.
1: It's okay. Work, work, That's me. That's the work me. environment has to be fun for you. Like, it has some to be fun, some degree of fun. Like, I, I get it. Like, at times, I remember like uh, working for this uh, big um, beer company, like, uh, I, I, as as to had to like write uh, reports or mm-hmm. uh, get on my Excel sheet, I would get my laptop and just hide myself in the closet so the employees do not come and talk to me because I need my two hours or three hours yeah. of super focused time. That's me. But yeah. after I'm I'm all available, you know. Uh... So let's let's laugh and let's talk. But yeah. So was this also
0: a business culture that? not only allowed it but kind of promoted
1: this friendly interactions exactly exactly mm. it was it was uh, at a uh, heineken yeah. like a dutch dutch uh, company but super like a uh, multi uh, national um, corporation you were working by. on Guinness right yeah it's 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 in Haiti so it's it's a local company called uh, uh braski national d'haiti so mm. Bra- brana so Heineken bought like uh ninety five percent of its shares and five percent wow. was owned by Guinness. So oh, I was working really for that company. So technically I was hired by Heineken, but I was in charge of the Guinness brand. You know, so yeah, it was it was fun. Like it was fun. I I, I learned a lot. I had uh, I was part of me, meeting groups with the CEO and the one in charge of uh, Guinness the and all the all the Caribbean. So it was it was, it was fun.
0: I, so I have. To Question about that. Do they, yeah. do they then sell over this company, Guinness? Do they produce it in Haiti? Because like as far as I understood, they produce all of their Guinness in Ireland. No, but uh,
1: it was produced in, uh, in Haiti, actually. Whoa. And sold as as Guinness? Yeah, it is produced in Haiti and sold as Guinness. I mean, they, wow. they do ship like a, a few of the ingredients to mm-hmm. to make it you know mm-hmm. but yeah and there's a master brewer also that knows oh. the the business and how to like uh properly make uh the the beer the guinness oh. uh, a few. so they they bought yeah. that company
0: to get the machinery and the location and the workers to brew
1: exactly guinness in haiti in haiti and sell it to the local market wow. there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, um, and it's, uh, I mean, of course, it's not as, um, having a a pint of Guinness in Ireland, but eh, it's good. Yeah. It tastes a lot of different. Yeah. But it was good. It was
0: good. Okay. Especially Guinness. This is the one beer that I really didn't like before I moved to Dublin for a couple of months. (laughs) And in (laughs) Dublin... Holy cow! You cannot stop different quality, drinking. right? You are oh, yeah. so it. it the, I feel like there there are very few things that are that perfectly engineered to trigger something like this deep longing Ooh. to of this this feeling and this taste to have it. Like one thing, for example, sugar is a, just a big thing. Sugar gives you a yeah. kick, and there are like some flavors of childhood, maybe that Mm. I sometimes crave but then there's Guinness (laughs) (laughs) like you just needed the tiniest reason to go drink a Guinness and you would go on drinking Guinness because to be fair not wanting to like I love Irish
1: people great people Yeah, So nice, man. When I'm traveling, I hang out with uh, people from Ireland. Amazing. Love people from Ireland, man. So
0: nice. I am not planning to ever going back there to stay for a couple of months because even their summers are rainy, windy, and cold. Like, I was there from, what, June to September or something around that. And I would uh-huh. drive. I would take the bike a lot of times to work. Uh-huh. And I would have to wear a big jacket and gloves. And I would be freezing. Gloves. Yes, gloves. Full summer. Wow. August. Full driving summer. bike at 8 a.m. with gloves. Because it was just so yeah. freaking cold. But and People were nice. <laughs> yeah, people were nice. But the thing is, the weather is just not great. So what mm-hmm. do you do after work? You go for a pint of Guinness. You go for a pint. Yeah. You go for a pint. So, man, Guinness just this just gets you. At some point, it just gets you. So, like, there's nothing you can replace it with. So, when I then came abroad again, you know, like uh-huh. other countries and tried Guinness, it's just terrible. Especially, like, the the export. Guinness yeah. is really, really bad. It just always tastes like metal.
1: Yeah. A bit bitter and yeah. um, and it's. I mean, that's 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 one thing I like to do. Like uh, where I am, I like to go to like those Irish pubs and try their Guinnesses, like on <laughs> like the on, on tap. Some are good actually. You can tell quality. I like uh, yeah, I, I I should do have a a few spots in New York that that do have quality Guinness. Mm. I mean, it's not the same as um, in Ireland, but mm. I'd say yeah. But they produce not, it locally yeah. in the US. I do not know about that that's mm. that's that's something i need to research on because that good was point. not my market but that's a, it's a good question actually I should look it up hmm. yeah. yeah and yeah, do you, what what uh other beers do you, do you like i mean i do like a uh, Leffe. it's like uh do, do you know that one uh, that the belgian one i don't like yeah, sugar beers
0: nice. i don't, you don't i like it i like my beers yeah. to be i love it very german <laughs> uh <laughs> German uh, Reinheitsgebot that's uh, e- everything else totally. i don't i don't typically call beer
1: <laughs> i mean i i mean i was i was uh yeah uh speaking of germany i was i was in germany like uh over the early part of the summer i i left new york for a month and a week hmm. and um I've had some quality beer in Germany, um, and I I went to uh, Bamberg once, and a friend of mine made me taste this local beer. I kid you not, she said, like it's gonna taste just like a sausage. I was like, what? And I had it. It was delicious, bro. I was like, I need more. I feel like I'm eating, but I'm not eating, but I'm drinking, and it was delicious. Like, jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man. It was great. And after I was, I was in Heidelberg, I don't know, I don't know if mm-hmm. you know uh, this town, beautiful, beautiful. One of those places that were not bombarded during uh, the Second World War. So mm-hmm. it's still like intact, beautiful. The street's amazing. The the architecture, the buildings and uh, the people also. So I had, I had a great time there resting. I went to see a friend that lives there. Mm-hmm. And uh, randomly I... I did a little art workshop, so ah, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> <nice>. <laughs>
0: that
1: was fun. Like uh, I met a a friend who was an artist. She lives there, and um, I also went to your home country, man, Vienna. That was did amazing. You, did you have beer there? Uh, did I? Yeah, I had. I had beer. It was good. <laughs> it was good. It was good. It was good. It's it's beautiful. I really enjoy the architecture, and I think I'll definitely go back. And um and yeah, I mean it's fun. And I, I and I went to this like um this old church, like one of the most beautiful churches I've been in my life. Um where is it? Um Do you know which one I'm talking about? In uh, Vienna. In Vienna. Uh, there's a little pond in front of it. A little, pond. A little park or a little pond? Pond, pond. Uh, it's called. Let me look at it on my phone. Uh, Vienna Church. I'm sh- I'm sh- I'm sure you know you know of it because I why I went over there is like I was randomly walking in Vienna and I saw uh they're they're having this um startup like a uh, event so I attended oh yeah and the true. after party was near it
0: so oh you mean the Karlskirche gotcha yes yeah. yes yes, yeah. yes yes
1: yes yeah. The Karl Kirche, I don't yeah. know if it's it. Karl's Church. Karl's Church. Oh, um, Kirche is church, yeah. right? Kirche. Karl's. It's beautiful. I mean, it's amazing it's walking around, and um, definitely have, need to go back. And I met um, amazing people over there. It's such a good vibe.
0: Nice.
1: Um, uh, yeah, and yeah, Germany was fun. Also, I'm not gonna lie to you. Good vibes. <laughs> And, um yeah, can can you tell me a bit more about the differences between, like, the, uh, it's it's got, a, it's got a bit cheeky right there, between the German-German, the Austrian-German, and the Swiss-German? <laughs> so I'm not sure if I'm the best
0: person to talk to. About okay, that, because of your bias. Because, because of yeah, your I mean, bias. First, first of all, I'm biased. Second of all, I'm not. I haven't spent... Anytime in Switzerland. Oh, okay. So I'm having a hard time there. I only know that Swiss is, the Swiss German is very, I think, I think it's classified as its own language, whereas Austrian German is not, so it's just German. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, and also here, there, the issue is, you have high German, Hochdeutsch, which mm. no one really speaks completely, but it's kind of like the how you write things. Oh, okay. Uh, but even Germany, like, there are just so many different dialects where you are. So yeah. in I country. feel like in Austria, when people don't talk any dialect, then they are very close to high German, except for like a few words that... Like For example, um, when we walk, like people in Germany use a different word for walking than people in Austria. So they use laufen, which okay. in Austria, people would understand that you're running. Oh, and okay. we use gehen, which is the actual word for walking. That when you say like, I'm going somewhere, like, um, or I'm, I'm, I'm going home now. Um, quick. Uh, I'm I'm going home quickly. Uh, uh-huh. Then in Germany, we would say ich laufe schnell nach Hause. And uh, ich laufe schnell nach Hause. Schnell schnell yeah. nach Hause. Yeah, like I I, I go home uh-huh. fast. Uh, and in, in Austria, we would say like ich gehe schnell nach Hause. Uh, except if you would literally run there, then we would say ich laufe oh, okay. nach Hause. So it's like laufen gehen is to go for a run. And in Germany, it's just like, so they're like those things. But when it comes to pronunciation, yeah. I feel like, of when course, we don't like in, in Austria when people don't talk dialect, they're very close to high German. Uh, whereas oh, okay. in Germany, you can, you always, they, like the how they pronounce things, like how long they stay on a vocal, for example, it's just different. Okay. And that's why usually after, half a sentence, you can already tell if, or at least I can already tell if the person is German, whereas I have spent days with people until they would realize that I'm not German. So there must be <laughs> there must be a difference. So, there it
1: must, it must be a difference. Not always.
0: Yeah. Some people are really really quick, but I've literally spent days in groups of people and they just wouldn't realize it until I would say, for example, laufen uh, or gehen. Um, and then but the uh, the pronunciation itself i uh,
1: feel like we we got
0: that better down to be like super clean
1: then uh, do, be do you also use so. the word like that's 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 a new word that i learned while i was there uh genau for like uh, genau. this is legit this is correct this is cool yeah genau uh, yeah yeah genau yeah. <laughs> genau yeah but like that's that's Generally, huh?
0: the, the languages are like we understand almost everyone in all parts of Germany except like super rural, rural, rural parts. But it's the same thing. People in Germany won't understand people in like super rural parts in Austria. Uh, but generally, oh. you understand each other fairly well.
1: Yeah. It's like, I'd say like it's a little bit like French uh, for me. Like, I can, mm. I can, for the most part, like, um, Tell where someone's from, like when they speak French, you know. Yeah. Uh, if that person's from like the Paris area yeah. or the, the 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 South area, or Marseille, 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 <laughs> <laughs> or from uh, Montreal or mm. or or the the uh, anti Francaise like yeah. the the Caribbean French par- speaking part, or even certain places in Africa. Oh, okay, and the Canadians. Yeah. However, there are different dialects uh, we're speaking in, e- even in France, you know, like, um, right. Yeah. So e- even in, in Haiti with the Haitian Creole, like uh, the North speak the Haitian Creole differently than uh, the central, like a uh, capital area and the South also. So I can also tell the difference, you know, <laughs> and Haiti is like, um, as a country is like, um, 200 plus years. It's not It's not 500 or 1,000 years, you know? So, uh, language do evolve, like, super fast, I'd say. Mm. Uh,
0: like, what What does it... As far as I understand, there are only... Creole is only languages that originated from France?
1: From French? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, this is a Haitian Creole, but a Creole is like a it's like a it's like a language that comes from another language because you, you can uh, you can have a Creole that's uh from uh Portuguese right okay or a Creole from uh, different languages okay the Haitian Creole it's um uh, it's a mixture of uh, mostly French and certain like um African words and mm-hmm. uh Taino which is like the Native Americans that live there oh, okay. and uh some Portuguese words uh a little bit like uh the word uh bunda which is the same in portuguese which means dairier or um you know mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean and they speak um and there are different countries in the caribbean that I do speak um the creole that came from france for example i can understand a little the uh, the creole that's from uh guadeloupe mm-hmm. or martinique or a few other places so yeah um, is it like we, we just said that people in
0: the North speak it differently than in the capital, are the differences that they lean more heavily towards one or the other influences, like more Portuguese
1: word or more like French or more native or. That's a great question. Actually, no, it's, it's more of the accent, the, the vowels and, and mm-hmm. how they're elongated or, okay. or, or for example, I can say it in Creole, like, um, um, so meaning I'm going home, right? Yeah, if I was in the in the north, I'm gonna say, you know, it's 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 kind of like the same words but different ways of saying mm-hmm. it, right? Uh, okay, or or my kid or uh, in the north, you would say, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. different ways of saying it. So it's all, yeah, it's, for me, it's fascinating also. And Spanish, another beautiful language. Like, I I got to improve while uh, traveling. It's so amazing, like, uh, listening to the Spanish spoken in uh, Mexico compared to Colombia, uh, and yes, compared yes, to yeah. Cuba, Dominican Republic, Spain, yeah. you know, different places, Argentina. So you, you can tell a little bit where uh, people are... It's a from, I guess. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Especially in the Spanish-speaking world. Yeah, I mean, I, re- I really like the uh, Colombian one, especially when we're in Medellin. The paisa, <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> yeah, this is I've beautiful. I heard it's very, very pretty. It's very pretty, man. Yeah. I'm like, whoa. Talk to me more. <laughs> right, let's, let's take uh, a quick break here. I
0: have to run to the bathroom. And uh, yeah. we're just going to resume. In a couple of minutes sounds good man yeah
1: good yeah it's happening how has it been so far for you like being on a podcast uh amazing like um uh brings back good memories because uh i'm not sure if i mentioned it to you i had a podcast with some friends from uh, college yeah in uh 2020 we did it for three or four months it was it's called dear football it's about soccer slash football Hmm. depending on where you're from topics so yeah oh, we God. did it i think i think we used to record like one episode per week so mm-hmm. it was like all the soccer news or football news so yeah i kind of kind of sort of uh got my podcast voice <laughs> nice and uh I, i'm a i'm a social butterfly so i, I like to talk so hey, yeah nice yeah. what would what you guys stop it's a good question like uh I think most of the guys. Uh, I think we got super busy. Like uh, uh, some of the guys had like uh, uh, new kids, like uh, uh, babies, and also my, uh, and also like the Instagram account was hacked. So we were like, "Oh no!" Oh no! I know! I know! It's uh, it was it was mainly my fault, but it was hacked. <laughs> but it was like it was not just one thing that happened, but it was a set of events that made a, Stop, and we've been trying to get back to it, but yeah, mm. a bit, a bit lazy. But good times actually, good times. Yeah. We, yeah. So Dear this this
0: now brings you kind of back to
1: to your experiences back then. Yeah, a little bit, and also like um, I enjoyed talking to you, so I yeah. mean, two birds, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, honestly, uh, two two targets. Two you tar- know, <laughs> and maybe correct. I mean, some, yeah, not to any birds you know so. yeah now podcast is an amazing
0: it's an amazing medium so many cool things that can yeah and are you like able mind. to hear
1: me uh just making sure
0: yeah i hear you i hear you well okay a little, perfect, little lower than before but generally it's good okay cool uh,
1: no i think i think podcasts are a great way to connect with people it's but uh especially with your format like it makes it less um what's the word more authentic more yeah. original. It's like you're having a little conversation uh, with a friend, like over like a cup of tea or coffee or a beer, a good yeah. Guinness, <laughs> or yeah. a good German beer. Good German. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you, you, you said you're an, you're not a big fan of like uh, the Belgian beer. I mean, ah, uh, true. We we're talking I do about like good Belgian beer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I enjoyed it in the past, but its I, I don't like the sweetness of it that much. The sweetness, it's, yeah. Like, the sugar, the added sugar, just doesn't make that much sense to me. Like, I okay. could never drink more than one without... Like, I, at the end of one, I'm already feeling like a little... Like, I, I'm not a person to drink soda. Just don't like it. Okay. And that same thing happens when I drink, when I drink live
1: too too much sugar it makes you feel like lethargic a little bit like uh not nah, okay
0: hmm.
1: yeah makes just, you feel it's just not a
0: thing i need in my beer
1: yeah i i, get I mean I, I I from, to from, for it. me it's the complete opposite oh really yeah, if it tastes sweet if it's good quality i'll drink it and um yeah man mm-hmm. good beer gotcha i mean there are amazing like
0: varieties of Beer, like when you go away from the standard and you go like Mm. the craft beer scene, wow, dude, so much, so much crazy stuff.
1: Speaking of beer, uh, have you been to like Oktoberfest in uh, Germany? I've never been in Germany for an Oktoberfest, no, which is not in October, by the way. People listening, (laughs) I heard it's in (laughs) September, (laughs) but it's called if you you go
0: to Germany in October to (laughs) attend Oktoberfest, you're unfortunately a little too late.
1: But I mean, yeah, I do want to go. Like, um, but because if you're a big fan of German beer, so I might as well go to Oktoberfest, yes, yeah, so a yeah.
0: big fan. So I, I, really, I really appreciate the thought of preserving beer, what it is, mm-hmm. um, like the Reinheitsgebot. Like you can call your stuff craft beer. It's a craft beer. It's not beer. It's a craft beer. Uh, it's fine. Uh, ale is ale. Uh, so. I don't know. That's uh, just a bit of a verbal distinction I like to make. But generally, I stop drinking um, most of, like, let's put it, <laughs> so it doesn't sound so dramatic. Uh, growing verbal. up in Austria, there are a lot of occasions to drink, especially to drink beer. And when I left Austria, my alcohol consumption just plummeted and like purposefully <laughs> and okay. intentionally. And I like to keep it there as well. And, and... I just stop drinking, even if I consume a hot cold. And these days, it's like in Austria, it's mainly wine or like some spumante, but rarely beer. I enjoy it. Sometimes it just gets me, or like with friends or like mm-hmm. barbecue. It's nothing better than beer. But yeah. uh, it's not something that I that I seek out. Uh, to have on a, on a regular basis, so like it's... a couple of days Octoberfest of would be fun, but not uh-huh. just because of the beer, but because Octoberfest, it's just fun. <laughs> and especially with you, man, that
1: uh, oh, yeah, I, I, I could great. see That's you fitting in there very well. <laughs> that'll be great. You know, <laughs> right. we, we should, that that'd be fun to like do an Octoberfest there. They're
0: they actually doing one at Stanford. It, it's it's not in uh, October. Really? It's not in September. It's actually in November. Uh, Or like maybe Uh I think it was not after Halloween, and uh, it was it was fun. Uh I just didn't. So I wanted to participate as a participant, but in the Uh end, I kind of ended up behind the the grill, and I (laughs) was one of three people that produced like I think it was two thousand sausages or something, maybe even more.
1: Two thousand sausages. It was insane, man. That is it a was lot, man. Cold, like you were. How many hours were you on the grill? Jesus Christ. Four or five. Oh.
0: And we we're just like so was churning out sausages, going fast. Like yeah, it was it was crazy. We had like two big, like uh, you know, like those brick brick built outdoor grills nice uh and uh yeah just like huge racks and you would just like throw them on and flip them once and then just already gone 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 and the queue oh, geez, people were standing there for hours to get their food uh because there were so people? many people How i don't, don't know people, what it yeah. was in the end uh but like
1: uh, uh,
0: maybe i wrote it to someone you could look it up but it was it was a hell of a long line like it would
1: Dude, if it's if at it's thousand, right? Just yeah. like two per person. That's that's yeah. a thousand um, people at like a, least.
0: Yeah. I would right? I would say it was something something wrong yeah. that we at the end we we ran out of sausages. Uh so Whoa, some people did go home without sausage. I mean we had dude, still potato so, salad and bread and that kind of stuff, but
1: I need to come to Stanford for um their October if, fest. Can you come in, in November. November? Or October?
0: <laughs> I don't know when they're gonna organize it. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be fun. Uh, This year, I think this year was, or last year was the first time they did it since COVID. So there was a lot of, like, the German association lost a lot of knowledge throughout that time. So it was uh, definitely harder on them to organize. But I feel like next year, they should get that going easier. No, Uh, this year, this year, no? or this year, yeah. Um, Yeah, next uh, next, uh, semester. Yeah, exactly. And, like, they had, like, Beer-wise, they they had like three different beers, I think. Um, okay. Like draft beer. Um, did a really good oh, job there. Only three. I think three or four different kinds. I'm I'm not exactly okay. sure. I mean, they might have had some bottle beer, but I think they, no, I think it was it was three beers, two normal beers and a uh, uh, white beer, wheat beer. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah um, I mean, you kind of have to do definitely it by scale, right? Like you you go to like maybe they got it even sponsored. So they nice. they will just go get it from one brand,
1: maybe two. Yeah, th- that'd be a great excuse for us to like hang out in person. Yeah, let's uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's try let's try to make it happen. Like uh, I'll send you a reminder. Yeah, and um, and a uh, quick question, like uh, what what was your um, reason behind uh, not drinking? Because um, I, I did that like uh, at the beginning of the year before my your your, your trip. Uh ah. I stopped drinking for uh, maybe three or like four completely? months. completely? Yeah, no, no alcohol, Ooh. nothing. Cause um, I was not feeling it, and I just needed that. Yeah, my body was not taking it, and I just needed to like focus on what I was doing. Mm. So yeah, but
0: um, so for me, it's the like several things. First of all, whenever I drink, it messes up my sleep, even small amounts. Okay, so I don't mm-hmm. like the fact it has on my next day. Uh, I don't like that even if I just drink one beer I won't remember the the things that happened during that period as clearly as sharply they they won't be committed as firmly to long term memory so I'm much more prone to have missed details so if I have like a fun time or like I don't know something doesn't require alcohol but where I'm like, okay, I really want to have like very strong memories about that, like some kind of event or some like big thing that happens. Uh, then I just don't want that. And like in general, day to day, I it's also like from the health side for the last 14 months, 15 months since I returned from Italy, I've been working out a lot. So Good. I don't like it on that side that it that kind of reduces all the hard work I'm doing in the gym. And it's so easy to gain weight when you drink. Like you eat like first one. Especially, especially beer. Yeah, especially yeah. beer. And like the, the one thing is the alcohol that you consume and mm. whatever else is in the drink that you drink. But then this, the second is once you drink, you just eat trash. It's so much harder to withstand oh. eating okay. trash food. So yeah, it's just a lot of downsides and still... Like I mean, unless Detroit. you're drinking
1: a nice glass of wine and eating some good Italian like uh, pasta or <laughs> I don't know some good like um, yeah. Argentinian or Chilean um, steak I don't know if, if it's if yeah certainly
0: it, <laughs> it, it certainly enhances the experience of food um of yeah especially fine dining so I I don't drink alcohol yeah. when I cook for myself mm-hmm. I don't like drinking most of my life, I just drank water while eating. Nowadays, I don't even drink water while eating. I should drink it before or after. Uh, yeah, I should,
1: should wait about like twenty or thirty minutes after, mm. before, yeah, so yeah, until it's kind of that. like digested and
0: already like in mm-hmm. your gut. Yeah, I try to do that also. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there is there's all those things where I'm just like, okay, I just don't need it. My uh, heart, it's, it's not a necessity for me to drink alcohol, so I'm trying to limit it. kudos to you, man,
1: especially, like, uh, being in the US, right? Because the whole idea of um, partying or having a good time is connected to, like, uh, drinking, right? So the thing is, you don't need alcohol to have a good time, but I remember when I stopped drinking, (laughs) people were like, uh, you sure you're not drinking? Like, uh, are you having a good time? I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm having a great time, I don't need alcohol to have a good time. I can dance, I can talk. You know, I can remember what I'm doing. So, hey, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know
0: what you mean, luckily for me. Yeah. And from that side, um, at Stanford, there is not much of a party scene. Like, you have to say, or I would say there is basically no party scene. There is a bit of a drinking scene. Okay. People who really want to party go to San Francisco because Palo Alto oh, is okay. just not a place to to party. Uh, people occasionally drink, but there again, I don't just, if I go to a place, I don't need to drink to have fun, but I either like drink and I just have fun drinking with other people, like playing beer pong, taking shots, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I don't, if I just have casual conversations with people, I don't need a drink in my hand. I'm perfectly happy with not drinking. So it's out of like nowadays it's like a I don't drink a lot in those situations, so I don't drink at all. Uh so Stanford makes it really easy in that sense because it's not that often that there's a real good party.
1: So that, so there's no middle ground for you like just drinking like a seltzer or um something. Like, could, like celebratory. Juice.
0: Like when I'm when I'm home and yeah. um I don't know, some birthday. So okay. buy a good bottle of prosecco or sec or Cremo, mm-hmm. um, whatever.
1: That works well. I like that. That's great. Okay. Hey, awesome man. Good news to you, man. It's uh, it's it's healthy. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Healthy. I'm trying, man. man. Trying. But
0: uh, again, like Guinness, geez. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exceptions, yeah, exceptions, oh, man. Yeah, and um are you like planning like any uh trips also um uh, since you're here like latin america because uh, uh, not not in, in Colombia. The,
0: not in the near future because in the near future yeah i just like don't have the money right now it's time like, i don't have time and i don't have the money so i better yeah. spend time with my family right now than Fair going off somewhere on uh on a trip and also i know that i like I made a lot of debt with the studies. So there mm-hmm. is a there's the responsible part as well of not burning through more money. But Yeah, school in the US can be quite expensive uh living. I apply to you, dude. Can be really expensive. Oh, yeah. Like Silicon Valley is crazy when it comes to rent, but also like to supermarket produce. I mean gas is a little cheaper than Austria, but Everything else is way more expensive. Yeah, because everybody
1: drives a a Tesla or
0: something, right? There's so many Teslas out there. It's insane. (laughs) Like when we drove from SF to LA the other day, there would Uh be one truck after the other just carrying Teslas, just like 15, 20 Teslas all the time, just Tesla, 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 Tesla. seems like that's all Californians... buy these days.
1: Yeah.
0: It's crazy. Tesla's, man. But man, like, uh, <laughs> you mentioned it a couple of times. Your art. Wait,
1: what? Oh. I mean, you what? never
0: you never mentioned that. How come?
1: Dude, it's so funny. Like, I, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, that's not one thing I just go to people and be like, hey, how's it going? What do you do? Um, I do art. No, I, I try to connect with people, <laughs> but I don't know, it just didn't happen, like, uh, but I think I should have mentioned, because we're so much in the entrepreneurship, like, mm. mindset at that time, and also the traveling nomad lifestyle that I did not mention. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've been drawing my whole life, you know, and uh, painting since 2008. I was in college, I took a painting class, acrylic, so, and I never really stopped, so, we're in 2023, so it's like uh, 14 years. Damn. Uh, yeah, painting, and again, and it's fun to see the progression of my art. You know, like I yeah. try to do research and look at workshops and learn from different masters, while well uh, or people that are quite established in, in their field. So go to their studios and learn techniques, and also improve my techniques. Also, go on YouTube. uh yeah. and Improve my um. Figure drawing or uh, portrait techniques because I mainly do portraits now.
0: Oh, wow! And
1: uh, acrylic and um, drawing. And some of my stuff are on social media, such as Instagram and so forth. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry I did not mention that. And I'm currently working on a, an art event like um, here in New York. I'm doing like a, a in a week uh, so I'm gonna have a different different um paintings of mine, like portraits of women of color in politics so oh. the story and the messages, especially this one about mariella Franco like I'm not sure if you're familiar with her so she 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 she's from Brazil she lived there she she was murdered she was um. She was a lesbian um uh in politics, very loved from the from the from the I think from the Favela community. Mm-hmm. And she was assassinated. And um so I, I did her painting like 2019, just to pay homage to her life and what she meant to those people over there. And uh what else? It's gonna it's gonna be a few people, a few trailblazer um women of color in politics. And also I do murals right so i just like to explore i just did a super nice 15 feet by 25 feet like a giant mural for this non for profit um uh, mm. in new york and the bronx um, wow so it's kind of like the unveiling of that and inviting nice. other artists to 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 come with and uh yeah it should be fun but yeah, man. I've been. That sounds serious. Been living the artist life a little bit, also. <laughs>
0: you certainly have, but I, that's yeah, really man. great, man. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah,
0: crazy. I remember, um, like, I mean, you told me about, like, I knew that you were like an artistic side. You told me about that novel that you wrote, uh, for like the, and I, I, I saw oh. you doodling a little bit, but, or I, th- I remember, like, some, some. Some of your art, I had, I had seen once, but uh, I, I didn't know that it was a serious thing. And like now, no, so, I, now yeah. I so, so we spoke Instagram about it, account. but yeah. Yeah, but like I think it was like more like a side note, kind of like yeah, I like to draw. <laughs> uh, and then I see that you're like featured in a in an art gallery, and then I yeah. see that whole other Instagram account of yours, yeah. where you got a solid following. Oh yes,
1: yes, yes. Jeez, yes, yes. Nick and, uh, Edward the artist, Nick Edward the artist, aka Neil. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done quite a few like um, art expos by uh, by myself or with other people. It's it, it's it's been a fun journey, a fun process, and see how the evolution of my craft hmm. and also learning different techniques and exploring even uh, even uh, while traveling, uh, photography. So I I bought a camera and took different pictures yeah. also what else um being creative and you didn't mention like novel like i <laughs> i wrote a a book it took me three years but i'm still editing it so hopefully um it'll be out uh one day but yeah, um, yeah i'm tr- i'm i'm trying not to do too many projects at the same time yeah so i think for me i learned that maximum three is uh it's more it's more than enough for, for me Okay. And and I need to choose like uh the one that's priority also, right? So you have to give your all to all of them, but you have to choose a priority. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, um, and I was said to myself, I'm back in New York. It's a place um super amazing for creative souls. So yeah, or not? Yeah, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and even while I was in Germany, I, I met amazing artists like uh, singers and um, painters i went to stuttgart with yeah. uh and met um, I met gallery owners and um, people from um, ifa um it's it's a foundation for um, creatives
0: oh so, okay
1: yeah i know it's just beauty and um, and for me it's about sharing and connecting and i remember before we we spoke about the one of the things that really bothered me when it comes to like, um, startup and entrepreneurship the mm-hmm. culture now is the ego aspect of it. Uh, a lot of people are not gonna like it, but I feel like there's a big ego aspect when it comes to art also mm-hmm. for creating art, just to be seen, just, uh, just to be in fashion. And instead of like, um, trying to connect with a higher power and, uh, trying to give a message and trying to master a craft and the sheer beauty of um, creating something, you know? So mm. I don't know. Uh, what do you think about uh, the art world per se? I oh, have so little, <laughs> little exposure to it
0: apart from going to yeah. exhibitions and museum, but I, I hardly know artists actually funny enough. The other day I, yeah. uh, I came through El Paso in uh, West Texas and I, I met a guy. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I knew from San Diego and turns out he's, uh, he's an artist now, like almost making full time. He's, um, selling his paintings for four figures. Nice. And he's doing like Western art, like a very El Paso style, uh, El Paso inspired. Nice. And, uh, and what's his name? Dude. Um, he's, uh, his Instagram account Beautiful. is Tony Tony Lee Beach Limited or Tony Beach Limited. Um, okay, you can find him there. I'll i put it in the description. Yes, yeah, so, and so, uh, so, so uh, so yeah, maybe me. I'm gonna have him on the podcast at some point. I hope I get to see you him should, again. You should and, and yeah, he's uh, he's a full time artist. Right. So I don't. So he's doing something else on the side uh, because mm-hmm. it's just not. Probably not enough yet to fully pay the bills um, yeah. also like also maybe not to fully fulfill his I don't know uh like professional endeavors, but he's, yeah, he's yeah. very serious yeah and he's he had exhibitions before he's featured in some gallery in September nice. and it like it it I really realized how little I knew about art we after having dinner me and my partner were invited to come over to his house and that he uses as an art studio where he shows around prospective buyers and people and nice. he was just talking with my partner about the different influences mm-hmm. and like the the things he used as motives and they were like super in conversation and i was just like <laughs> i mean i've seen a lot of impressionists <laughs> um some some surreal art, but uh, generally, I'm I'm just not not deep in the scene or very knowledge
1: uh, about about art in general. Um, right. To each his own, man. Hmm? To each his own. Like um, we all have our own um, specialties or yeah. field, yeah. and we can exactly. always learn. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. yeah,
0: it's also like if I would, what I'm really interested in is getting the music space, for example, is much more, much more appealing to me. Also not like from the perspective of a, of a musician, but just like audio. Also like with the podcast right now, I'm doing the production yeah. all myself. Uh, so when it comes to talking about music styles, what makes things go trendy, um, different elements of it, I feel like when it comes to art, different art spaces, music and then maybe next like major motion art movies, um, speak more to me than, than classic, um, art, but yeah, I feel like that also, that also changes. Um, yeah, and uh, I definitely get more receptive to, yeah. to paintings.
1: And also so, I'd like, like to, uh, circle by, um, Uh, to what we were talking about earlier. Like, I think there's a lot of bias when it comes to art, right? It's it's quite subjective. Um, Certainly, like, uh, a real professional can look and uh, decipher, like, um, uh, see certain techniques um, that an artist has used and see how uh, well-versed that said artist is um, at his, like, skill, uh, his craft, excuse me. However, I feel like... um, it is very, still very subjective. Like as a, as a thing, for se, right? Art, hmm. um, uh, like drawing, painting, or you name it, or mixed media, or sculpture, you know, yeah. or photography, also, Yeah. You know? and so forth, Yeah. You know? And and now um, with the let's call it this, this immersive art which is becoming very popular, right? I mean, like VR, AR, or... VR, AR, and also, like, um, I've, have you heard of the Vango um immersion? Oh, so you, yeah, the rooms. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I did you, that in yeah. 20,
0: what, 2018? 2019? I mm-hmm. was in Paris. That was really, really cool. That was great, right? Yeah. So It's really amazing. The, that's actually, the thing, it's becoming... What, was, what I liked even more was... Before that, as a warm up, they had a Japanese exhibition where they featured like some of the most animated, some most of the like recognizable Japanese artworks, and man, that was so cool. That was so yeah. amazing. That was really that was mind blowing. I think I even filmed it. That was great. That was just great. What, was it was it also like immersive or yeah? So you had the full room. It's amazing uh, same the same room as the the van Gogh one, um just oh. just a little bit before, and it was a lot shorter, but yeah like the wave kind of coming over you
1: and like dude summarize. dude speaking of the wave like uh it's so crazy like i I actually painted the wave on the new mural I did for really? the non for yeah it's i yeah, I painted it on the mural like the yeah. the, the, the the Japanese wave uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> ah, great, it's uh. It's amazing. It's and also yeah, I remi- it reminds me you, you do have a passion for uh Japanese culture, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. Um very easy to,
1: to sell on things that have to do with Japanese culture. <laughs> <laughs> so it's surprise that I, do, do, of do, price, I liked more. Do you remember I'm the ra- uh, ramen uh, yeah, uh, was spot the last we dinner. went to and uh no no and not in Italy and um no, it wasn't touring. in Medellin with the Japanese like anime on the wall? Yes.
0: It was actually called, it wait, was. Wait, uh, with Sam? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, damn, what was it called? It was in El I, Poblado, right?
1: Yes, in El Poblado. Uh, let me look it up right now. Ramen shop in El
0: Poblado. Iraku's ramen. It was like literally the ramen shop from Naruto. Uh, Exactly, literally, literally. Yeah,
1: yeah that, was, that was yeah, really you're right, you're right. Really yeah, it's called um Ichiraku. Ichiraku.
0: Ramen. ramen. Ichiraku. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun, man. Going to Colombia and eating ramen. That was really odd.
1: Yeah. And seeing the art, man. Like yeah. over there, the really all really drawings, cool the drawings, the dragon
0: ballsies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a really good job. That was cool vibes. Yeah. A little bubble somewhere
1: in oh, yeah. downtown. <laughs> Medellin. <laughs> close to downtown and yeah uh, the, yeah, so yeah, so immersive art you know it's just um capturing or um heighten your different senses you know yeah. visual like your your earring um, yeah. um and so forth you know it's like um mm. could you imagine becoming something quite like popular. that I would love to do it man I would love to do it yeah i' i yeah I'm, I'm thinking about possibilities of me doing that uh, Do
0: you have some kind graphic some... design skills
1: yeah i do i do Ooh. a little bit yeah nice yeah went then i i'm i'm i actually designed um the flyer for the art event ah um, yeah. nice yeah. that was fun and yeah also some uh yes because also I have, I have a little a passion for like um fragrances right mm-hmm. like um One place I really want to go in my life, I don't know why I didn't go. Well, I was in Nice uh, because it's not far. I want to go to grass in France. It's where they make like those uh, perfumes and have like fields of like uh, flowers and uh, they have great um, perfume making schools. Mm -hmm. And um, Can you imagine having like an immersive immersive experience where you you see the thing and you hear it? And you also smell, like, different um, uh, colors cool. or different paintings or yeah. mood. Like, heightened your emotions. And also, yeah, uh, it's possible, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fun.
0: Nice. I'm really
1: looking and forward can, to you can You can also that. touch, I don't know, maybe, maybe, like, touch the wall and something different. Yeah. Another different type of art comes wow. in. Do you, you know, know what
0: you would yeah. love... Oh, in Tokyo, there is, uh, in, I don't even know how to call that. Uh, it's limitless. It's border, not borderless. It's called. Uh, it's borderless? this okay. immersive art room. I, I don't know. You, the closest you can compare it is like to Disneyland. Probably, it's not as huge. Okay. There are no rides, but. It's all of those rooms are just immersive art and you can interact with it. You can do stuff and it's so good. Like you just walk from room to room and that was like the coolest experience, the coolest artsy experience I've ever had in my life and stuff. Really, I would go there again it's in, any day. It's in, it's Tokyo, in Tokyo, right? right? Mm. Dude, I still want to go to Japan. <laughs> uh, you really should. Yeah. But no, you said that you, you're going to watch football game in, in eight minutes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, thank you for the reminder. I'm I'm, I'm having such a great time. I don't even see how (laughs) that time is flying by. Uh, Yes, uh, Haiti. It's a big game. Uh, The Haiti national team is playing against uh, Honduras. Honduras. Like at 9pm it's part of the Gold Cup, which is like a competition here in the US. Different countries, part of the CONCACAF, which is like north america and the caribbean nice so it's u.s mexico and um, canada that's exciting haiti Martinique, Guadeloupe, mexico yeah i said mexico yeah cuba mm-hmm. yeah and so forth so right. yeah man, big game man i had a i had
0: a lot of fun today and looking forward to to having you on
1: soon i mean dude well thank you for inviting me man i, I had a blast uh it was great talking to you, and um, and I learned a few few fun, fun <laughs> things. And <laughs> yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully um, we'll catch up soon. And sure. I'll be more than happy to jump back on the podcast with you. Do you want to tell people
0: man. your your Instagram how to can find oh, your artistic yeah, site?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to see my stuff, you can uh, go ahead go on Instagram. It's my last name Wooly W. O O L L E Y Nick and I C K art A R T so Wooly Nick art. A-R-T. So ah. Woolly Nick art. So, perfect.
0: I'll make sure to include that yeah. into the description as well.
1: Yeah, it's my Instagram, and uh, that's about it. And if you're in New York, um, if I'm having an art expo, feel free to stop by. <laughs> perfect. All right. All right. Thanks,
0: everybody, for listening. Bye. Have Thank you, day. Jay.
1: Thank you, <laughs>